Welcome everyone. Live from Academy of Mary Immaculate in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to Be Like Her Live on Academy Live. My name is Zoe and my co-hosts today are Grace, Emma and Bajek. Our special guest today is Pip Chandler. Hi and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Who or what inspired you to create Storyscape? Hmm. That's a long story. (laughs) Storyscape. Um... Well, I think um, what inspired me is um, the power of stories, really, ultimately, um, and my different um, paths that I've taken to get to Storyscape have all been building blocks to realise that stories are the most powerful way that we have to communicate and create change and um, that they're so powerful for the storyteller depending on what story you're choosing to share, and equally as powerful for the listener. And so being in a position where um, Storyscape, what Storyscape's all about is supporting people to tell their own stories for different sorts of social positive change. And so, um, yeah, my inspiration really just came from, um, I guess when I was really little I wanted to be um, like a like a war correspondent or a journalist <laughs> or something that was, you know, um, humanitarian or aid worker, um, something big and global. Um, but in that I was very, very inspired by documentaries. Um, and when I was little, I don't know if you guys even know what National Geographic is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, they, do they print them these days? I don't know. <laughs> But um, when I was really little, my dad had an ancient collection of National Geographics that were um, rows and rows and rows long. And instead of like reading novels and stuff, I just devoured them night after night after night. And I think that's what really inspired me to, yeah, to be, to really understand the power of stories and, and, um, and be inspired by five stories and, and and how the stories that we choose to tell about the history really shape um, the future. I heard this saying the other day on um, something on TV that, you know, um, history is really about the future. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's so interesting, I think, and so powerful when you think about history is about telling stories. And so the stories that we choose to tell or the stories that people um, choose to tell are actually what's shaping the future. Um, and I find that really inspiring and interesting yeah. too. Yeah. Before the creation of Storyscape, what work were you doing before this? Mm. Um, so I, well, when I first left school, I did a, a Bachelor of Communications and um, for a while I was keen on doing broadcast journalism. But I, I don't know, I didn't quite, I felt like I just didn't quite fit the mould of a lot of these things and um, I also ended up working in advertising for a short time which also was really uh, interesting, not very me but they're all learning experiences along the yeah. way and then I worked in film and television and I thought this is good, this is a step closer to becoming a documentary maker, you know. <laughs> um, but I actually worked for a um, big drama sort of company so it was <laughs> really not for me either but lots of learning along the way. And then I travelled the world for six years, um, working and living in all sorts of different countries around the world, which gave me an incredible um, view of global, you know, global issues, um, humanitarian issues. And then I came back to Australia and went back to uni and did an international development master's 
And then I've worked in foreign aid and development for a number of years overseas on different projects, but still I always had the storytelling at the heart of what I was doing. So I was doing research and evaluation, but um, making films about impact of these projects and lessons learned and how we could share and educate what's happening in different projects. So, And then I started Storyscape, which was about 15 years ago. And um, I started that with another amazing woman, um, Zoe Dawkins, who um, is is a constant inspiration to me. We're like we're we're a really great sort of complementary mix, and I think you're really lucky if you can find someone like that to start a company with. <clears throat> it's like a marriage in a way, <laughs> and we've been together doing that for 15 years. So yeah, that's the journey to Storyscape. As you said before, mm. you were tr- you were already doing different things before you started like Storyscape and mm-hmm. got to the point where you are today. Do you think your younger self would have imagined you doing this sort of stuff now? Mm. No, <clears throat> I don't think so because, <clears throat> excuse me, when, um, what, when do we talk about younger self? How young are we talking? Your age? At um, school? Maybe like high school yeah. years. No, I really had no idea what I wanted to do yeah. in um, high school at all. And I think my parents took me to a careers like counsellor where you do some aptitude tests because I didn't even know what I wanted to do at uni. Oh, yeah. You know, and they kind of like went, you should do this. Um, I think the result was saying something like I probably shouldn't go to some sort of like too conservative traditional university but maybe communications would be good because I like people and I like. So in some ways that did actually help as a stepping stone to something that I was quite interested in. But um, I think that's a real lesson that looking back um, is that there's so much pressure put on young people to figure out what they want to be when you're young and, um, you know, it can't changes constantly and you can't be expected to know. All you can be expected to know is sort of like is to reflect and look inside of yourself and try and figure out what sparks an interest in you. And the first thing that you choose might, but might, might not be something that you stay with for a long time, yeah. but they're all like great building blocks to sort of take you on to the next thing. But I think the thing that's made me sort of ended up finding the path that I absolutely love is that constant sort of reflection, um, looking inside and sort of going, okay, this is not really for me. Why is it not for me? Like what what parts do I like? And I ended up sort of just doing that process nonstop throughout my life and then going, why can't I just put all the things that I love into one thing, create a business and see if it'll work? Yeah. <laughs> and it did. So, yeah, well, okay. yeah. it's yeah. not a... Um, it's not a traditional sort of easy to explain path. My mum still can't describe what I really do. So <laughs> it's one of those interesting kind of every project, it's project based. So every project is a bit different, but the sort of values and core is the same in all of them in that power of stories for change and supporting people to tell their own stories. Yeah. You were talking before mm. about travel. Mm-hmm. Whereabouts did you travel? Mm-hmm. Or was it just like all over the world mm-hmm. or was it just kind of like in Australia? Yeah, no, I, I went um, in my early 20s. I went um, travelling all through Southeast Asia and China and then I lived in um, Germany for a year and then I was in the UK for three years and then when I came back and went back to study and got a job in international aid and development, I've done lots of um, work trips mostly to Southeast Asian countries Yeah, yeah in the Pacific. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You've yeah. Been all, all around. All around. Well, I haven't been to anywhere in Africa, and I haven't been to South America. No, I haven't been to lots of places. But mm. um, but I do. Yeah, traveling is um is a real gift and a privilege, and 
it's a bit like a bug, you know, they call it the travel bug for a reason, yeah. like once you yeah. start seeing the world. And I think that those National Geographics really in lit that spark in me from a really young age of wanting to actually go and see these places and like the world is so big and that that there are so many different cultures and histories and communities and like I want to see them all. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any certain places you'd like to go? Hmm. Even if it's just like on holiday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. I really want to go to Africa because it's just an enigma to me. I haven't been there but I've got a lot of African friends and I would love to go there yeah. sometime. Yeah. Big country, big big continent. Not sure which country I would start in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hi, my name is Bajek and I was wondering, can you tell us about your organisation and what sorts of projects you've been involved in? Mm-hmm. So Storyscape, um, the sort of work we do is um, we're a bit half and half. Half of our work is still in um, evaluation and research, social impact research on um, projects that might be international aid and development projects or they might be social impact projects in Australia, preventative um, justice health projects. Um, And then the other half of our work uh, is creative arts projects and this merch that I'm wearing here today, Yalanguth, that's one of our biggest projects that we've worked on. Mm. Um, Yalanguth has been going for eight years and it's a project that, well, Yalanguth means yesterday in Woiwurrung language, local Wurundjeri people, and it was chosen by the elders for the name of the project for that reason that we need to go back before we can go forward, yeah. um, which is such a strong message. Um, yeah, like we were talking about with history before, it's like you can't go forwards unless you start owning the past. Um, and thankfully this country's at a stage where, you know, that that the truth-telling and people are, are starting to really talk about what's really gone on in this country um, and we're only going to be able to start to own it and create our own identity with any kind of depth once we start to own that, I think, really. So this project is an app. Yeah, I don't know if any of you have done this. I've done this app with some Year 9 students but it yeah. was like, yeah. was it yeah. you? Were you there? Yeah. Oh, that's why you look familiar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's an app that's about the Aboriginal history of places and um, as you know, being here in Fitzroy on Wurundjeri country, um, you're on the doorstep of this incredible story of what's happened in this country since colonisation and I think the, the story of Gertrude Street is really the story of yeah, this country since settlers arrived here, since colonisers arrived. So it's an audio app that, as you know, as you walk along the streets, it's geolocated stories and soundscapes and music and um, people can do it 24-7. It's free to download and um, it's 40 different elders are on the app sharing stories and the way that we, the process that we went through to um, to share those stories was training up young Aboriginal people who were trainees at Charcoal Lane at the time, just further up Gertrude Street from here, um, or the elder who was being interviewed identified one of their young family members who they wanted to be like the custodian of their story. So they would say, oh, I want my grandchild to come and interview me for this. It was very personal. So the stories that you hear on the app are really intimate and really personal um, and I think that creates a real sense of being in that, like transported in that to that place yeah. and that time. So 
that's, yeah, that's been a really big project and we're about to launch a second site for that in a couple of months. So you can go on an excursion there next time. (laughs) That's going to be in the city of Melbourne um, along the Birrarung, along the Yarra River from, um, yeah, down near where the Immigration Museum is all the way through the city and then up to the MCG and around there. Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah. and then we were looking at um, developing with Elders a regional site next, so outside of Melbourne. So that's, yeah, that's one of our bigger projects. I thought we thought when it started that it might be going for like six months or a year and now it's been eight years. Oh, wow, yeah. (laughs) And it's one of those things that I've sort of come to the realisation of, you know, it's a life's work and then it's not just my work, it's like a multi-generational thing. Yeah. 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 So what inspired you to help communicate the stories of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities in Australia? Mm, um, Well... I guess through a lot of the work that we were doing with um, evaluation, which is sort of talking to people about their story and um, looking at the impact of different community projects, we worked um, with men's groups, women's groups in justice system, in education, and we over the last 20 years have just heard so many different stories about how people have ended up in the situation that they've ended up in Um, and I guess that sparked a real interest in me to try and find out more Um, you know and it's that same it's that it's that um, thing where people go well you you know you don't end up in that situation for no reason like everyone's got a story Um, and once you understand the story you gain empathy and once you gain empathy there is no more um, stereotypes and judgments and you know, the world is a better place. Um, And I think just to really take a, having left this country and come back and realise that uh, there is a lot of racism in this country um, and anything that we can do to build empathy, to share stories, to break down barriers is a good thing, particularly with the history of this country. So, yeah, and also being in Fitzroy, so I moved here 20 years ago and um, I didn't know much about the history of this actual spot before I moved here because I'm from New South Wales. I grew up and was born up on Camilleroy country in the country music capital of Australia (laughs) and so very different place to here and um, yeah I started to learn about the history, the Aboriginal history of Gertrude Street and it it just blew my mind that it seemed like there were these parallel universes, like people were just walking around in this modern-day world and had no idea and all these shop owners and cafe owners and, you know, some of them did but a lot of people just no idea of what the layers of what's sitting under their feet. And so once I started to form relationships with elders and hear more stories and um, I got very inspired to if that if they wanted to do that, if they wanted to share more and like take it into this sort of contemporary zone of having an app, which they did, um, then yeah, they inspired me to to keep to sort of keep developing the project with them. If you are just tuning in now, you're listening to Be Like Her Live on Academy Live, live from Academy of Mary Immaculate in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Zoe and my co-hosts today are Grace, Emma and Bajek. And our special guest today is Pip Chandler. So why did you choose an online app as the outlet to tell the stories of the Indigenous Australians in Australia, Mm. Indigenous people in Australia? Well, it's funny how um, quickly technology changes because I was saying this was an eight years ago was the concept for this and back then an uh, app that was, you know, a geolocated story-based app seemed like very far away 
and the initial concept was I think it's because um, it was new and it was like the accessibility is there because a lot of elders are being asked to do tours of Gertrude Street in person, which you can't replace. It's it's an amazing thing to be able to have that first that contact with people in person, but there's not there's not like loads of them who are ready to do that every day. And so I think that historically they'd gone through phases, different Aboriginal community groups of having tours, and then they would sort of. Um, burn out a bit because, you know, tour, tour guides would moved on or like they just couldn't keep up with it. So when we were talking to elders about would you like something to be accessible 24-7 that wasn't reliant on the community to con- constantly be telling these stories and they said, yeah, that would be great. So that's how we sort of evolved and and looked at concepts for the app and we partnered with a couple of universities, RMIT University and Melbourne University, who have been amazing partners in helping to develop the technology. So it's all <clears throat> bespoke technology that's been created just yeah. for this app. It's um amazing software developer who's built it over years and years and years um, and it's built in a game engine so sounds kind of like animate in space and can do all sorts of things around you. Um, and I'd never built an app before and I'd never worked in straight audio before. I'm more of a, a filmmaker. So it was all completely new and a big challenge to me and I've learnt a lot, still continuing yeah. to learn a lot. When you said you started <coughs> Storyscape, you only thought this would like last six months to mm. a year and now mm. it's grown to eight years mm. now. Do you still think that there's more room for improvement that you think you want to take it to another level, mm. maybe expand the business, make it worldwide just mm. to get other people's voice and opinions. Yeah. Well, there's two different things. So Yalangus, the project, that's been the one that's been going for eight years. Oh, yeah. Storyscapes is sort of the separate business that I had started that we've got multiple other projects oh, okay. underneath. Yeah. Um, but so it is an interesting thing. Like my partner Zoe and I who started Storyscape have always talked talked about do we take on more staff? Do we grow and grow and grow? Um, and we do have like a core, a group of about 10 or 15 different um, consultants and artists that work on different projects with us. But we decided to just keep it to us as core staff because we also had families. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so the reality check of being a career person with a family is still a, um, yeah, it's still a big juggle. And so we really we really made that decision that we wanted that flexibility to be yeah. our own bosses and not be sort of having that stress of needing to have salaries to pay other people yeah. and to be able to give our time to our kids when we needed to and sort of be in control of that try and have the best of all the both all the all the worlds but um it is a challenge still for women even though that more women are working I think women still do take the the load of the household the yeah. mental load. Um, yeah, yeah. And so it's a lot to juggle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm not expanding globally no, just yet. It's all good. And Got that, to deal with my home life first. <laughs> that may even be a good thing as well. Yeah. Maybe like yeah. expanding may not be the best thing for this certain project. Yes, yeah. yes. And this actually with Yalanguth, that project, a lot of people have, oh, this could just go Australia-wide, yeah. global. But if anyone actually realised the work that was involved in just doing Fitzroy and doing it well, yeah, it just feels like you'd be leaving your social life behind and just to well, work on this it's project. a long process. Yeah. I think the reason why this has been a success, this app here, is because we've taken a long time and we really, really spent um, 
the time on building relationships respectfully and not rushing and letting elders define the timeline. Um, and it all just takes time. So to sort of exponentially sort of go, we're going to franchise this and kind of like, yeah. you know, it would become something different. Um, there are tools out there. There's something called Sound Trails, I think, where you can kind of do a simplistic version of what Yalanguth does, like some software that you can pay a subscription to and you can, um, you know, grab a map from Google, Google Maps and put audio on there and yeah. it will be placed and you'll hear it. So there are things that exist like that, but I think that Yalanguth is special because of the process um, that it's, you know, that we've followed to collecting the stories and um and the time that's really taken for community to be in control and make the decisions, yeah. You mentioned that you're more of a filmmaker and mm -hmm. we know that you worked for five years and in film and television in Australia. Mm. Have you always had a passion for film in like digital media? Yeah, definitely. I actually used to record ads when I was really little, <laughs> which is really strange. <laughs> um Yes, I think I just love the and you know I I guess when you're a little when you're watching TV when we only had the two channels to watch in the country <laughs> yeah um you know it's like the creativity and the and the storytelling um has always been really interesting to me um but the thing that I have found really freeing about working in audio as opposed to working in film and television is that it's um it's sort of like a sensory you, you you completely access a different sense that you're not used to accessing and that makes you use your imagination more. So the concept for Yalanguth initially was to be more of a um, video-based thing, like maybe there would be a QR code. This was when before COVID yeah. and QR codes were like are they, are they here or are they gone? And then it was COVID and it's like they're everywhere. Um, it was going to be where you'd like scan a spot and then you might get some augmented visual thing on your phone or you might have a video of someone telling a story on a phone. But as we sort of started to work <clears throat> with the group and the elders, they were very much like we want this to be an audio experience um, and it's much more um, malleable audio and you can change it over time and it just it creates a sense that you um, create the pictures in your head yourself. It's like when you're reading, I think, too. Yeah. And we've got we've got to way too much visual things in our face every day on screen. So mm -hmm. the less we can have on screens and the more we can tune in with our ears, I think the better. Yeah. You mentioned about COVID and we were all <clears throat> impacted on the pandemic. Did that have mm. quite a big impact on what you were doing at the time? Mm. We were pretty lucky with the timing um, of where we were at, although we did have to postpone the launch event three or four times, um, which was very frustrating because I think it was yeah. on the eve of like every oh, single really? launch event was a new lockdown called. It was like this yeah. can't be happening again. But, you know, that happened to everyone in that time. We were lucky that over those two years we'd actually finished the process of gathering all the stories and it was all in post-production. So it was all things that could be done from computers and on Zoom so um, it just happened that it was pretty lucky timing for us with yeah. where we were at in the yeah. cycle of the project. That's all we have time for today. Thank you, Pip. Mm. It's been a pleasure talking. Um, live from Academy of Mary Immaculate in Australia, in Melbourne, you have been listening to Be Like Her Live on Academy Live. My name is Zoe and my co-hosts today are Grace, Emma and Bajek. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you. Thanks for having me.